Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a podcast by Driver Reach in partnership with FreightWaves. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder of Driver Reach, a modern software solution at the intersection of recruiting and compliance. With over 20 years in the trucking industry, both on the carrier side and the vendor side, I bring a wealth of experience around all things recruiting, retention, and compliance. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's most significant challenges from recruitment and retention to the realm of regulatory compliance. Your positive feedback keeps us motivated, so remember to rate and review Taking the High Road on whatever platform you use to listen. This week, I'm honored to have one of my best friends in the industry, someone I've spent a majority of my trucking career working side-by-side with, Gary Langston, president of the Indiana Motor Truck Association. I'm so excited to finally have you on the show, Gary. Thank you for joining us. It's good to see you, Jeremy. I always enjoy talking with you. Well, prior to taking the helm at the IMTA back in 2011, uh, 2010, prior to 2011, yes. Yeah, yeah. You worked uh, for 37 years at a small outfit known as UPS. Correct. Where uh, you began your career as a, as a driver before moving to operations and other leadership positions, including your final role as corporate public uh, affairs manager. Now, I'm, I'm hoping we can unpack how you got into the industry, You know what kept you here, and the impact of the deep relationships that you built over the years. Um, you and I were fellow IMTA board members when we first met somewhere around 15 years ago and have been great friends ever since. We also remain fellow wordsmiths. I think That's we both- correct. Would, yes. One of my favorite things. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I'd love to hear uh, from you how important it is for companies to get involved with their state trucking associations. I, I think you and I know firsthand the value they bring to the industry, uh, but Atri's recent report further highlights the, the criticality of, of membership and participation. So uh, perhaps you can also share uh, a lot of the work that you're doing as the as the voice of trucking before the state legislature and Indiana's congressional delegation. And then lastly, we'll ask a question from a listener uh, during our deeper dive segment. Does all that work for you? All works for me. I look forward to it. So now before we dive in, I, I usually ask my guests if there's any particular books they've read that was impactful. But since you've got an annual conference coming up, one of the main speakers is, is Clint uh, Pulver, the author of I Love It Here, How Great Leaders uh, Create Organizations Their People Never Want to Leave. And I'm excited about that. We're, Driver Reach is the sponsor of that uh, presentation. And I, I read the book last year in anticipation of hearing him speak last year. And unfortunately, we had a hurricane and that kind of uh, set things back. But but we're here. And so uh, I'm excited about that. So if you if you haven't read that book yet, this is for, for the audience. I love it here. It's, uh, it's something that I found was really uh, impactful and obviously how important culture is. Uh, it's all about people. So I, I would ask you maybe the best way to start things off, Gary, would just be if you could share with our listeners uh, a bit more about your journey, how you found your way into the world of trucking and you know, eventually leading the IMTA. You know, it seems like every job I've had since I had a job had something to do with picking up something and taking it someplace different from where it started. Um, in high school, as soon as I got my license, I was delivering propane uh, gas to factories and residences, and I was delivering anhydrous ammonia to the farmers in the rural area that I uh, lived in. So that was uh, that was my first encounter. And then, as you mentioned, I uh, uh, ended up at UPS in my junior year of um, going to school at Indiana University, uh, all by mistake. I had no intention of going there. It happened to be the case that my roommate had applied for a job in February that I didn't even know about. It was summer. I was going to summer school. He was off to work in the steel mills and the phone rings, 
asking him to come to work at UPS. And I said, well, he's gone, but I could use a job. And they said, can you be here by four o'clock? And I said, yes, I can. And I was there for 37 years. So didn't start as a driver, uh, started uh, loading trailers and washing trucks and sweeping floors and all the things that you do as a part-time employee while you're in school. But after graduating, uh, the UPS journey was much more, um, well, first of all, much more lucrative than uh, what I was able to do with my public affairs degree uh, in uh, uh, when that happened. So uh, it just, it fit for me well. I, I was raised in a very strict environment and uh, UPS is a very strict environment and it, it fit me well. And, uh, and I, was, I was so happy to be there and, and enjoyed every minute of it. Well, once you, you, you retired, I guess, uh, technically, but you didn't retire because then you, uh, you became the president of the Indiana Motor Truck Association that you were very involved with uh, prior and as well as many other state and national associations. But now you've been doing that for 12 plus years. Correct. I, yeah, for that, I, I can't believe it when you say that, that I have been doing it for 12 years and had no intentions once again. Uh, I would lived in Chicago at the time when I retired, planned to come back here and and not work uh, and just spend time with my kids who were young at the time. And uh, and it just so happened I talked to the the guy who was running this place after a board meeting and he's like, hey, I'm leaving. You should you should consider taking this job. And I, I was really focused on trying to work for um, for the governor for a couple of years in his last term. And um uh, and uh, Kenny, the guy that ran this, said, ah, you don't, you don't want to do that. You need to take something that lasts for a while. And I'm like, I'm not sure I want it to last for a while. But anyway, <laughs> it's, it's been a blessing. I'll tell you, um, uh, working at UPS, uh, you, you, know, you think you knew everything you needed to know about the industry. But it really wasn't until I left there and was able to see colors other than brown. I was able to see purple and yellow and green and all the other colors that are important in the industry that had much different business plans. And, and really, a lot of my trucking education has happened in the last 12 years. Well, can you share now, as the president of the IMTA for, for 12 years, can you share what, what are your sort of key responsibilities and what, what goals do you have as, as president? Well, uh, we have the association. We have a relatively small staff, so everyone has a lot of different charges that they take care of. I oversee all of those. My uh, particular focus is uh, is uh, advocacy, uh, public affairs. Uh, I, I spend most of my time focused on either uh, legislative issues or uh, regulatory issues, both at the uh, state and federal levels. But uh, our, our association is so important because it, it really focuses on safety, uh, which is the primary goal of all state trucking associations is to to uh, find ways to help our members become more safe and and promote those, teach those, offer those. Uh, so those are the primary responsibilities that we have. And it's not really complicated. It's just ongoing. It never ends. You never get where you want to be. Uh, there's always room for improvement. So there's always plenty of work to do. Well, you talk about advocacy and it's not just being the voice for trucking in favor of certain things, but sometimes it's to protect the industry against things that, you know, that are being, you know, considered. That's true. Uh, uh, fortunately, in Indiana, um, most of the things that we work on are in favor of, but there are things that come up that we don't support. 
and have not supported. And and uh, quite frankly, those are I actually find those to be uh, more interesting and challenging than than trying to get the good stuff passed, uh, because uh, when we oppose something, it attracts a lot of attention. And um, and we I, I really enjoy that part of it. But, you know, uh, speed limit increases and and tax increases, tolling, those kinds of things that our industry generally doesn't support uh, eventually come up and we um, we have to take those on. And you also mentioned safety. And uh, I think that's a good point. And in, a, in an ATRI recent uh, report referenced the fact that members of state and national trucking associations are considerably safer than those who either were former members or never a member. And I think that was, a, and there's a, it's obviously a chock full of, of good information, but I think that's a really good compelling point on, on the importance and the value when safety and compliance is so foundational to this industry. You know, I'm so proud of that report. I, I, uh, I won't brag or take all the credit for it, but a few years ago, uh, I contacted Rebecca uh, from Atri, which I can't say enough good things about her or her the work that her group does and said you know what how about if we do that kind of study that just came out and she said well i'll run it before the rack and and uh see what we can get done so it's i don't know how many years ago it's been but it it never got adopted and so i was so pleased when i heard this year that that they were going to take it on because i was of the opinion as the study shows and as the results show that that members of trucking associations are going to be more safe and, and I thought, well, even if they aren't, even if the results don't show that, it should tell anyone who runs a trucking association that maybe they need to refocus on the things that they're doing and uh, change what they offer and, and to be helpful to their members, particularly if they're not more safe. But as it turned out, they are. And as you said, um, it's, it's just uh, it's so important. Uh, that study, I think, is so important, not only to show the value of what we do, um, but to uh, uh, as far as the growing membership and, and helping carriers uh, understand that we can really offer something that will make them a more safe and hopefully more economically uh, valuable company as well. Well, I think I, the question I have next, and I think we kind of answered it already, but you know, what are some of the key benefits that trucking companies as well as industry suppliers gain from being members? And maybe we can talk about the INGA uh, in particular, being that we're in central Indiana, that's, you know, we're, where we both are and and the opportunity i think obviously safety and ad advocacy but also the networking the relationships that are built in these groups i think are second to none i think that's equally as important uh, the the work that we do uh through workshops and seminars and conventions and all the things that we do i think the uh the networking piece that occurs when we when our members get together you know as competitive as they are uh, on the street when they're away from those events, they're all vying for, in many cases, much the same freight, and they're they're as competitive as competitive can be. But when they're together, and uh, they're talking about what worked, what didn't, uh, what was good for them, what wasn't, things that people might try that they haven't tried. It's uh, the, I don't know of any uh, industry that is uh, uh, possesses a stronger family atmosphere from that perspective than the trucking industry. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And and you've always been one who recognizes the value of investing 
in the future. And I think, you know, Driver Reach is the sponsor of, of ATA's lead ATA program. But before there was lead ATA, you shepherded Indiana Motor Truck Association's future leaders of Indiana or FLY. And uh, as, a, as a member of FLY's founding alumni, alumnus, alumni, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm curious how important it is to you that, uh, that we continue to invest in the industry's future leaders. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's anything that we do that's more important than that. I mean, if you look at, if you were to look at the, um, the board of directors and the general membership, uh, 12 years ago compared to now, it's, it's just so amazing that, um, that the difference and the, the youth that is now here that, that wasn't, there were, there were young people then, but the ratio now, uh, you know, all the baby boomers are, they're going to places and relaxing and, and expecting these people to take over. And I work hard every day uh, trying to convince the future leaders that they really need to be future leaders. And, you know, we took on, uh, I asked the uh, the future leaders to take on the uh, Reads Across America program, um, which just, uh, 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 the co- the competitive piece of it just le- uh, ended last week. And, and they took it on and they worked hard, found ways, they uh, created w- creative ways to encourage people to buy Rees. And, and I'm proud to announce that, um, that we sold more Rees than any other state in the, in the United States. So, uh, I'm really proud of that because, uh, they really took it on and, and showed leadership and, uh, they do that in many different ways. And, and I, uh, actually, if you look at the, uh, if you look at the article that was in transport topics, when I first started, uh, my primary objective was to strengthen the future leaders program. And so I'm proud of that as well. And, uh, but once again, it's one of those things that's never done. There's, you never get finished with that. You always have to be looking for new people and, and fostering the relationships of those who are already here. Yeah. And, and as I remember working with you in those early days, and as I was thinking about this conversation today, I, re- I look at the, you mentioned the, the demographics of the board. Those people that were among the founding members, they're all leaders. They're all leaders or presidents, CEOs, partners of the companies that they were a part of. It's yep. so exciting. That's it just is so to be. uplifting. Yeah, it is. I, um, and you, you just can't say it. I mean, just the, the change that I've seen over my career, and it's, you know, I've been around for a while, uh, as we've already discussed, but the, the change that I've seen in, and anyone who uh, has been around for a long time, you realize that um, it gets harder to keep up. And the longer you're around, the harder it is to keep up. And because the change is so significant and the, the young, youthful minds that are coming on board are the, are the ones that, uh, that, are, that are deeply invested and are the most well-educated, uh, whether it be technologically or just in general. And they're, they're just so important. We just can't do it without them. And, and we just have to continue to push that. And, and along those lines, that's not just, you know, those are, we're talking about people that are running trucking companies and, and, and being part of the, you know, different various solutions to, to help some of the industry's challenges, but drivers too, right? That's an issue that we have as an industry, getting younger drivers when the minimum age is 21 years old, but the average age of a new entrant is in the mid to thir- mid to late thirties. Yeah, a, that's a problem. Uh, it <laughs> it it isn't a new problem. I mean, uh, needing more drivers isn't a new problem, but it seems to continue to escalate as as uh, generations change and attitudes and 
and focus on quality of life differently than maybe certainly differently than what I did. You know, is in my day it was like you find a good job, you work hard, you save your money, someday you retire and move on. Uh, you stay with the same company, you show allegiance, and as you well know, that's nowhere close to today's generation of employees. And so it makes it much more difficult, but it certainly isn't impossible. It's and I'd say that you're probably one of the you know, you're certainly one of the leaders in recognizing that and, and looking for ways to um, to attract and retain. Um, and, you know, as you said, you're sponsoring um, Clint Pulver, who that's his that's his thing is how do you how do you keep people around? Um, it's not just like um, it's not just like a, a nice office with a window anymore. It takes a lot more than that. Well, yeah, and it's people, right? We're in a, such a people business. I know it's trucks, but it's people. You're still dealing with people. It's always people. <laughs> it's it's no matter what you're not just here, but anything you do. If you don't have the ability to communicate with people in a way that that is respectful and that they appreciate and that they that makes them respect you, uh, you're you just aren't going to be nearly as successful as if you were able to do that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things I do want to get into the deeper dive question here, but even before that, you know, when I asked you about what are some of the benefits, this particular deeper dive question is actually about the call on Washington. And so sort of to set that up, I think, I don't know, I've gone at least, at least a dozen times pretty close to that over the last 20 years or so, where every year we go visit our uh, state, you know, congressmen and women. And it's just, it's an amazing experience. It's eye-opening. But the qu- the question is, for those who aren't a, a member of a state association or have never had a chance to attend one of these, the deeper dive question is, how do I get involved with the call on Washington trips? Is it worthwhile to attend? You want to unpack that? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably, um, it's one of the more important things that we do. It's so valuable. It, um, you know, um, when people from the back home districts go to Washington, D.C. To, to call on uh, members of Congress from their state, it's so much more meaningful than, the, than many of the people that are calling on those members of Congress on a daily basis. Um, those people who sit in the lobby, the lobbyists, are they're hired guns. They're hired to, they can't vote for the member. Uh, they just have to try to convince, you know, have to use those people skills that we just discussed <laughs> to get in that door and get the attention of the member. But still yet, the bottom line is these are not constituents that they're normally dealing with. When we go there, we do our best to find constituents from each of the districts uh, and each of the member's districts that that when we sit down in that that office, we can say, this member uh, is in your district, and they and so it's all about votes, as you well know. And so they know that, uh, and they listen. They listen more to those people. So, but it's so valuable because it it helps you. It, it's amazing if you've never been there to see what it takes to run uh, the United States government. I mean, it's a massive, massive operation that that and so many moving pieces. And uh, to to see the buildings and to see the people and and to sit in the to sit in those offices and talk to those members about the issues that are truly important to the attendees and their companies, 
uh, is just uh, it's unparalleled. It uh, and it, it isn't hard to get involved. You simply uh, uh, need to say, I'm interested in that. And when are you going? And we we never turn people away. So um, and we you know, we we uh, occasionally are able to have a dinner with a member of Congress while we're there. And and the relay. And so then when you go there and you and you meet those people, then when when they come home and you go to see them, whether it be at a dinner or just at a meeting, uh, they remember that you came there. And it's a totally different situation than if you've never met them before. So it's very valuable. Yeah, I I can speak from experience. You learn so much about how the government works. And you learn when you always hear the stories of how old, or at least the average age, it seems that some of our our, our, our legislators or or congressmen and women, you uh, you realize though that they have really young staff people that seem to be doing a bulk of the work. Well, uh, I think you know, but uh, my daughter uh, uh, spent about two months in D.C. this summer as an intern for a member of Congress, and <laughs> and she uh, she's like, I can't believe the responsibilities they gave me. Uh, I'm like, so you're running the government or what's going yes. on here? But uh, but you're right, Jeremy. That's a, a very good point that the people who in many cases are are paying the closest attention because there's no way that an individual member of Congress on their own can stay on top of uh, uh, all the issues that they have to be responsible for. Um, they can superficially know what's going on, but when it comes to the deep dive thing, they have to have a staff that does that. And you're right. In many cases, they, they're just really young people who, who you walk in and say, these are the people running government. I guess they are. So that's a very good point that you make. And I think another important point about the staff is that, um, they never go away. They may work for a different member of Congress. If their member decides to retire or their member doesn't get elected or their member moves on to a different job, the staff people never leave. They're just working for somebody else. So when you go to those offices and you meet those staff people, they're they're really, in in essence, more important for the long term than uh, than the individual member of Congress. So that was a very good point. Yeah. Well, and also it is. Uh, I feel better knowing that it's in there. <laughs> quite honestly. Well, <laughs> I I agree with you, especially compared to some of the things that we've seen over the last few years i yeah. i think you're right that there uh, there's de- definitely a a much more uh relaxing refreshing perspective there that than uh, what we see in many cases which are just difficult to to deal with sometimes well before we go just could you share maybe what advice you might give to uh, to any individual who who's aspiring to pursue a career in the trucking industry gosh um it's it's a great industry. Like I said, I mean, we've talked about a lot of the positives. Uh, if you if you really want an industry where you'll get the support you need to be successful, if you're if you're truly interested in in the industry, um, I, there there's so much support here, uh, and it's really important. I mean, as we always say, if uh, we we all you know eighty plus percent, some states more ninety uh, plus percent of all the freight that moves into the United States. And so uh, the nation doesn't work without the industry and anybody who's interested in it, there's so many opportunities beyond truck driving. I mean, the industries, as you well know, 
uh, with technology, with with all the other pieces that are becoming so important uh, in this industry, there are a lot of opportunities that never existed in the past. And 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 I think we uh, we've already talked about uh, the contribution that the industry makes to to uh, you know uh, uh, the uh, safety and 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 all the other things that we do. So I I would say if you're truly interested in it, you should look you should look at it seriously because um, there's a lot of opportunity. Tons, tons. And I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Gary. Uh, grateful for our friendship and I really appreciate your dedication for, you know, more than half your life to this industry. <laughs> well, I hope it's not more than half, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but I really appreciate it, Jeremy. I appreciate what you do. I've, our relationship for a long, long time and, and uh, you're really doing some great things. And we appreciate having you not only a member of our association, but but uh, just in the industry in general. That means a lot. I really appreciate it. And thank you for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember, you can submit any question or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road, whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.